Busey Wealth Management, we're proud to partner with individuals, families, and foundations, ensuring possibilities become achievements. From preserving and enhancing your assets to securing your legacy for future generations, we're focused on your success. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth. Since 1868, member FDIC. And Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. A ton going on with the uh, Biden crime family right now. And it's not looking too good for the Bidens, although I'm not sure it'll lead anywhere interesting. We've got the Hunter Biden plea deal falling apart yesterday with the federal gun charges and the uh, the, my, the misdemeanor tax fraud charges. The big guy that would be one Mr. Joe Biden has investigators looking into bribery accusations. You have the IRS whistleblowers uh, saying that the uh, Hunter Biden tax scheme was slow walked. We have Comer and, and Jordan uh, in the House committee tracking the corrupt money laundering schemes from the Bidens. And then this is ridiculous uh, Hunter Biden artwork. I use, <laughs> I'm using work uh, artwork in, in quotes there, Hammer. So a lot going on. You're right. That does sound like a laundry list of serious things to deal with. And it can make the job of a White House press secretary very <laughs> challenging and very taxing. Especially when that certain White House press secretary is not any good at her job. Enter Corrine Jean-Pierre. <laughs> she had a rough day yesterday. It wasn't just the Bidens that were taking L's. Corrine Jean-Pierre who, again, is bad at her job to begin with because she never has information. Say what you want about Jen Psaki. You might not have liked what she had to say, but she had an answer for you. She had information. Again, you may have thought that information was crap, but she had information. Corinne <laughs> Jean-Pierre, you're lucky if she knows what day it is. So let's take you into her handling the masses yesterday. And I got to be honest, I'm a little surprised that this Biden-friendly room of reporters are starting to ask tough questions to the Biden White House press secretary. So yesterday, now mind you, Joe Biden had nothing on his schedule yesterday. No events were planned. The calendar was open. Corinne Jean-Pierre said, well, he couldn't really give us much information. He was busy. Have you uh, seen the president since Hunter Biden showed up in federal court since the deal fell apart? Did he have any reaction that he has agreed to allow you to share with us? So I'll tell you this, um, uh, and I'll repeat this is what I said at the top, which is the president loves his son. The president and the first lady love their son, and they support him as he's rebuilding his life and trying to move forward. Uh, I have not spoken to the president today. He has been busy continuing to work on behalf of the American people. He's been busy. <laughs> Not one thing yeah. was on the calendar. And, and, the, and the same today, by the way, she was asked a ton of questions about Hunter, and she has the same answer. He's a private citizen, blah, 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 which tells me they're trying to actively separate themselves from anything Hunter Biden related. 
And again, even this Biden-friendly press corps starting to do accidental acts of journalism, someone yesterday asked Corrine Jean-Pierre, we need clarification. Did Joe Biden never speak with Hunter about his business dealings, or has he never been in business? Ago, you said that nothing has changed when you were asked about the president's previous remarks on his son's business dealings. But the language has, in fact, changed. So I just want to clear this up once and for all. The president has previously said that he has never discussed overseas business dealings with his son. But the White House now says that the president has never been in business with his son. So why the updated language? Which statement is true? Or is this semantics? And they're both true. Uh, as I stated on Monday, when I was asked this question multiple times, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed so on this. Nothing true. has changed on this. Uh, and so you could ask me a million different ways uh, on this question. Nothing has changed. <laughs> in my narrator voice, but something has changed. <laughs> the conversation is always about how Joe Biden never talked or spoke to his son about his business dealings. And then overnight, after two years of that, it's Joe Biden has never been in business with his son. Right. This is what she said on Monday. I'm curious if the White House and the president still stand behind his comment that he's never been involved and has never even uh, spoken to his son about his business. So I've been, I've been asked this question a million times. The answer is not going to change. The answer remains the same. The president ha was never in business with his son. Uh-huh. Never that's, in business. That's the moment. Are we talking semantics here? Because maybe, no. now hear me out, maybe he never spoke to Hunter about the business dealings because he was always in the room. <laughs> he was <laughs> he was listening to conversations about the business dealings. Right. He was in the chair next to Hunter, so they didn't have to talk about it. I mean, look, often. we know from those WhatsApp texts that he used his dad, I, I believe, in a conversation with somebody uh, with a China executive. Hey, my dad's in the room here. We went to know what's going on <laughs> where's the money again it was a rough day for ha 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 here she is being asked if the white house has ever looked into the people that bought hunter biden's art wink wink for millions of dollars and then all of a sudden got put onto some cush committee by joe uh, elizabeth naftali she's made more than a dozen visits here to the white house uh, and met with some of the president's uh, most senior advisors. Can you tell us a little bit more about those visits, why she was here? I would have to look into that. I've not, I've not been tracking the, these visits that you're uh, mentioning to me. Isn't it like her job to look into this kind of stuff and to track this kind of stuff? And the art thing is such a scam, this this quote-unquote work, these works of art. <laughs> you have to realize that it's a great way for somebody privately to uh, uh, take a paintbrush and throw something down on a canvas and then sell it to some some mysterious person for ridiculous amounts of money and it's legal and you don't have to report it to the public and it's it's an easy way to move sums of money around while basically being untraceable that is the scam that's the flim flam right there with Hunter Biden. And it's laughable that the people that hate Donald Trump 
and by default have to be fans of Joe Biden's, <laughs> they like think that this art is really something. I promise you, you could bring a poster board in here. We could bring, bring a couple kids in here and just have them scribble with crayon, and we could go up to members of the Indy City County Council and say, look at this Hunter Biden original here, and they would glow over it. Oh my God, it's amazing. Um, here's another example of <laughs> not knowing anything at all. She has no comment on the fact that the feds raised the interest rates to the highest point in 22 years. Federal Reserve has just announced an interest rate hike by a quarter point, which brings it to the highest level in 22 years. Does the White House have comment on that? As you know, we see the Federal Reserve as being independent. We give them the space uh, to make sure that they are able to make monetary decision. It is up to them uh, to make that decision. I'm just not going to comment about the, about their about the decision today. Your job is to literally comment and to give us information. That's why you're there. But yet she never has any information. Again, I never thought I would say this. I kind of miss Jen Psaki. I disagreed with her. 99.9% of the things that came out of her mouth, I disagreed with. But at least she had something for you. This moron doesn't know anything. All right. Now, this is my challenge to you, Nige. Okay. Try not to laugh, okay? I want you to be professional. Do not just laugh for the sake of laughing. This is something that's real. Adam Schiff. Little pencil neck Adam Schiff. <laughs> I, already, <laughs> I already lost. Come on. Okay. Grow All up. Right. <clears throat> Sorry. Adam Schiff says that the Republicans are the ones that have a desire to impeach anyone and the Republican Party because of their love of wanting to impeach someone have just went off into chaos. I think the Republican desire to impeach someone, anyone, uh, no matter whether there's any evidence, uh, just shows how they have uh, descended into, into chaos. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't win that little contest. I'll Mr. Russian collusion himself. <laughs> oh, I've got all the Russian collusion you can handle. It's in my tool shed in the back. I've got the video of the hooker. I've got all the collusion. I'll show it to you at a later time. He says it's the Republicans who are crazy about impeachment. All right, fine. Uh, it is a hot one outside. Heat index around 100 degrees. Now, a couple days ago, we had a song from Hammer and Nigel Records called It's Friggin' Hot. Oh, yeah. That stayed in my mind. That'll, that's one of those things you keep repeating to yourself over and over and over when you hear it. Definitely an earworm. Head. Yeah. Well, because the temperatures have gone up, We've put out a follow-up to that song. Hammer and Nigel Records present It's Still Friggin' Hot. Really? Still friggin' hot. <laughs> still friggin' hot. The world's an air fryer or Ida Tater Tot. Still friggin' hot. Come on. Still friggin' hot. Hotter than two furries tag-teaming your school's mascot. Oh, no. My grandma Whoa. used to say it's hotter than Hades. Grandma says he'd know that's where he's spending eternity. <laughs> Good God. Still friggin' hot. Still friggin' hot. Hotter than the plates at a Mexican restaurant. Still <laughs> yes. friggin' hot. Yes. Still friggin' hot. 
Hot like the AT&T girl jumping rope in a tube top. Like there's a giant magnifying glass in God's hands. And he points it in giggles while he torches us ants. Still friggin' hot. Still friggin' hot. Still friggin' hot. The latest there you go. from Hammer and Nigel Records. Was the two furries tag-teaming your school's mascot really necessary? Was that line really... You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. So, California's doing something very interesting. They are <laughs> paying meth heads with gift cards not to use drugs. So, in other words, they're paying meth heads with tax dollars to stop taking drugs. And uh, if you get a clean drug test, you get a taxpayer-funded gift card. Oh, wow. Paying meth heads with tax dollars to stop taking drugs. I guess this is an impromptu uh, version of, are you okay with this? (laughs) So if I understand this correctly, the same government who brought you such hits as government-funded crack pipes is now saying, in the event that you can't stay off the crack, you know, use these crack pipes. But if you can, if you're not addicted to meth and you're not addicted to crack, you don't know anybody in the Biden family, pass a (laughs) drug test, we'll give you this gift card to Target. That's ridiculous. Like, again, what happens to the folks that were never addicted to meth in the first place, never addicted to crack or heroin or cocaine in the first place? Do they get any sort of taxpayer-funded gift? Do they get some sort of thing? I don't think that's going to happen. The thing in California is, too, and I don't know what the law is here in Indiana, but you can't make somebody go to rehab and get clean. I mean, most of the homeless population anywhere are they're on drugs in this country. It's all drugs, and you can't make somebody go in and get clean. If they change the law, yeah, scoop them up, take them somewhere, uh, hold them in a facility, make them get off this stuff, because it's it's devastating not only California, but the country. And there's nothing really... I mean, if you're a doctor, you have an obligation to treat somebody with dementia, right? You have an obligation. You You can't physically make somebody go get treated for meth or crack or whatever. Which brings us to great moments in bribing addicts history. There was an episode of Chappelle's show where his character, Tyrone Biggums, <laughs> the crackhead, was not expected to be somewhere, but he was promised it was the five o'clock free crack giveaway. He's always late. No, he'll be here in three, two, one. Is this a five o'clock free crack giveaway? <laughs> Great moments in bribing addicts' history. Uh, Miss Allison, give me some mood music, oh, please. Man. Oh, man. So yesterday, it's busy news day. Didn't get a chance to get to this yesterday. Yeah, sad news. Sinead O'Connor died at the age of 56. Uh, we don't know any th- details about her death as of yet. But we do know that, I mean, she had a rough life, man. A successful artist, for sure. Right. But, but Controversial artist. Controversial, yeah. She ripped up Picture of the Pope on Saturday Night Live during that performance. And Lauren Michaels banned her from ever performing again. Uh, but she grew up. Her mom was abusive, physical, and sexual. 
and she also just recently lost one of her sons, one of her kids, to suicide at the age of 17. And it's one of the last, po- I mean, just a deep, just a, a devastated her. Obviously, devastate anybody. Now, we, again, we don't know how she died. There's no details about her death. But, I mean, you know, <laughs> use your imagination there. Just last week on social media, she was referring to the death of her 17-year-old, and she posted, quote, living as an undead night creature since his death. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. I just couldn't imagine. Especially somebody that's gone through what she's gone through in life. So, yeah, that was pretty sad. So, this story from the Daily Mail about Sinead O'Connor is pretty wild. So, according to the Daily Mail... Prince and Sinead O'Connor had a violent relationship because she turned what used to be somewhat of a minor B-side song from Prince, Nothing Compares to You, into her signature song, Mega Hit. Yeah. A lot of people, yeah, Prince wrote that song. O'Connor at various times, and again, this is from the Daily Mail, claimed that Prince's butler pressured her to eat soup against her will. <laughs> what? Here, have some, have some of the soup. It might taste like bleach, but that's perfectly normal. Prince also challenged Sinead O'Connor to a pillow fight, <laughs> but then assaulted her when he put a hard object inside of the pillow. Jeez. So there's a lot going on here. I don't know how much of this I believe or not, but the Daily Mail says Prince was basically using prison rules in the prison fight <laughs> and forcing her to eat soup. Kind of like uh, the movie Sixth Sense, where the lady was keeping her kids sick and feeding her bleach. That's right. That's right. First thing that popped into my mind was the Tina Turner movie where Ike was making Tina eat the cake. Eat the cake, (laughs) Tina! Eat the cake! Or how about uh, when Donald Trump made Chris Christie eat the meatloaf (laughs) at the lunch they were at? I forgot about that. Terrific menu, Chris Christie. Uh, You can uh, look at the menu all you want. Everything's great on it, but you're having the meatloaf. (laughs) Great moments in Sinead O'Connor history. Uh, She was parodied on Saturday Night Live. Phil Hartman was Frank Sinatra, Mm -hmm. and Jan Hooks was Sinead O'Connor. The bald chick, what's with her head? What gives, Q-Ball? I'm looking at you, I'm thinking, 14 in the side pocket. I can't believe you're talking about my hair with all the bloody starvation and the suffering in the world right now. I hear you, baby, loud and clear. Forget the head. Put a bag over it and do your business. (laughs) It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Crime, punishment, judges, legal stuff, breaking the law. Some people are saying, some theories um, out there are suggesting that the prosecuting Department of Justice and Hunter's defense lawyers are kind of like on the same team. 
so to speak. They came up with this sweetheart plea deal, and you know, and with the misdemeanor tax fraud charges and the the gun charge, and then tried to kind of sneak f- immunity in there for future possible investigations. Wouldn't and- be the first time <laughs> we've had those discussions. Go back to the Epstein client list being sealed up by the right. prosecutor, which happened to be the daughter of Leakin Lion James Comey. So this is not something that I think is completely far-fetched, seeing a bunch of people on the take for the political left here trying to make something right in their eyes. So (laughs) this situation with Hunter Biden, man, it's wild. But the judge saw right through it. Yeah. Yeah. Good for her. She uh, tossed out that sweetheart plea deal and... There's a lot of moving parts here. So let's take you to James Comer. He's the head of the Oversight Committee. He's kind of made it his job to go after the Biden crime family, follow the money, and it looks like all roads lead to Joe. Here's James Comer. The judge did the right thing. Today was a victory for justice in America. It's obvious to anyone who has any knowledge of the law that the president's sons committed a host of crimes and all roads lead to Joe Biden. That's the other thing. And that was, I think, one of the most interesting things from the testimony that uh, Jason Smith got in the transcribed interview and we heard in the hearing was they wanted to interview Biden family members and they felt pretty strongly that uh, this was directly linked to Joe Biden. And we've been saying from day one, Hunter Biden's the one that's getting the heat right now, but this isn't about Hunter Biden. This is about how connected his old man is. Here's a little bit more from Comer. These lawyers have intimidated many of the witnesses that we've tried to bring forward for depositions and transcribed interviews. Hopefully the witnesses like Devin Archer and the others who we're going to be bringing before the committee this summer. Hopefully they saw what happened in that court today and that these lawyers aren't going to continue to get away with the shenanigans that they tried to pull yesterday when they lied and said uh, they were part of uh, Ways and Means staff to get something removed. Those days are over, and we're in control of this thing, and I believe if these witnesses will come forward and tell the truth, I think the American people are going to be in for a big eye-opener with respect to Joe Biden. So basically, you've got the lawyers going full jerky boys here, trying to make prank phone calls <laughs> yeah. to see if they can get yeah. their cokehead client uh, a little bit better of a deal. Even CNN is blaming the lawyers. Someone made a bad mistake here. Am I wrong looking at this saying that, that these someone, whether it be Hunter Biden's defense or prosecutors here... How could there be such a big miscommunication? I cannot even begin to explain how the Justice Department walks into that courtroom without knowing exactly what the scope of immunity or coverage is for Hunter Biden. And equally, I cannot even begin to understand how Hunter Biden's lawyers walk him into that courthouse without knowing exactly what the constraints, what the limitations of that deal are. It used to be, Nige, where you would be called a conspiracy theorist, a tinfoil hat kind of guy if you thought the Department of Justice was crooked. Hell, I'm at the point now where if you don't think it's crooked, you might be some sort of (laughs) tinfoil hat guy, some sort of conspiracy theorist. And this judge is, you know, I think judges have egos, right? I mean, I'm sure this judge was kind of pissed off that someone tried to pull one off on her. Right. Pull one over on her. Somebody from the House Ways Means Committee pretended to be a Republican asking if they could get certain testimony 
stricken off the record and then she shows up so she has the judge has to ask hunter biden all these questions to make sure that he understands what he's pleading to and the more questions she asked the more bells went off in her head like wait a minute hold on is 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 this man being investigated for anything else yes we can't really tell you what it is is he investigated is he being investigated for uh the foreign agents restoration uh, registration act uh, well yes well then what are we doing here you want <laughs> you want future immunity for what pleading guilty to one crime no so uh, now the question becomes what happens next and that was a big topic of discussion last night uh brett tolman former U.S. attorney, he joined Jesse Waters, and they were talking a little bit about how the sweetheart deal got torpedoed, but ultimately, if the Department of Justice has just decided, you know what, here's one middle finger, here's two middle fingers, in theory, they could still drop all charges against Cokehead McGee. Well, the prosecution knows they they had to admit that it was an ongoing investigation because that's what they've been telling Congress. So if you're right, if I'm right, that that one of the choices the department has is to dismiss this thing and just admit that they're they're a protection racket for the Bidens, they're going to have to justify getting rid of it. And at this point, they've already charged it, and she's arraigned him. He's he's pled not guilty, and she's going to demand that they prosecute the case or give her a reason to dismiss that. Can you imagine if the Department of Justice responds by saying, you know what, all charges dismissed. I could see it happening. It's not the like furthest thing in the world that could go down. I, you know what, look, I, I think I think we're us underestimating the Bidens sometimes. It's funny when he, you know, funny when, when Joe falls up the stairs or falls off his bike. It's 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 kind of it's funny when we see old pictures on the laptop of Hunter smoking crack. But Biden is just really good at both of them are sort of maneuvering within a construct that basically they created. He's been at Biden Joe Sleepy Joe's been at this his whole life. Hammers right. so he he knows how to beat the system. He knows how to take advantage of the system. They know exactly what they can can and cannot get away with. They know the weak spots in the legal system. So, you know, between Hunter selling art and business dealings, they've figured out how to toe the line on on knowing what exactly is legal and not legal. So maybe maybe we're underestimating how how smart these guys actually are. And you forgot to mention somebody is getting away with losing their cocaine at the White House. Somebody oh, lost yeah, their that. bag of blow <laughs> near the Situation Room, and they're going to completely skate on the whole thing. There's that. With that being said, here's Stephen A. Smith. And the son of President Joe Biden, who was a former crack addict. Oh. Let's just call it what it is. Yes, he was on crack. I said it that way about Lamar Odom. I can say it that way about the son of the president of the United States. He was on crack. (laughs) They recently found cocaine in the White House, by the way. No evidence that it was his. Although in all the years I've been alive, I've not heard of cocaine being in the White House. This is the first time. But who's casting guilt? We don't know. We don't know. Yes, he was on crack. 
<laughs> it was hilarious. I would like to know the context of that clip. <laughs> he used to say that about Lamar Odom back yeah. when Lamar Odom was with one of those Kardashians and got busted for being on crack. <laughs> that was kind of his thing. Don't smoke. What does he else? What does he also say about weed? Lay off yeah. the damn <laughs> yeah. weed. <laughs> Oh, it's hilarious. Now, by the way, while yesterday we spent a lot of time focusing on Hunter Biden's legal stuff, is there going to be any sort of impeachment? What's right. Kevin McCarthy doing? Oh, by the way, somebody testified under oath, under oath, that the United States has alien bodies from crashed UFOs. If you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Um, were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. And was this documentary evidence, this video, photos... Eyewitness, like how would that be determined? The specific documentation I would have to talk to you in a skiff about. Now, that was David Grush, who served 14 years as an intelligence officer in the Air Force and the National Geospatial yeah. Intelligence Agency. I mean, it seems that's a pretty credible job title. Uh, I, so, do you believe him? To me, it's another story. Like, it's not whether or not I believe him. It's that this dude under oath said, we're dragging alien carcasses out of these vehicles, and nobody cared yesterday. Yeah, well, there's a lot going Talk on yesterday. Talk more about Hunter Biden. I, one of our friends of the show, uh, Alex Barrington, tweeted out about this. Uh, I'm sorry. This is all total horse bleep. We are in the presence of an alien intelligence capable of interstellar travel. And they have nothing better to do once they get here but to crash into the desert? <laughs> kind of puts it into perspective. Well, maybe they didn't mean to crash into the oh, desert. Well, come on, you can make it through interstellar travel, but you, <laughs> you wind up crashing right at where Area 54 is? Jeez. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. All the big news, all the top stories coming up locally and nationally here. But first, police in Maine had to rescue a falcon from, from inside a local toy store. He ended up getting in the building after chasing a pigeon. Here is, here is a police officer talking about dealing with this bird. Not something you expect. You don't get trained in the academy for that. I think I laughed and said 10-4 in the same breath. So I haven't had anything like that before. Dogs, sure. Never had to go after a bird, especially not a falcon. Super thankful for the help of the owner climbing up there and grabbing it. Glad no one got hurt and glad the falcon is safe. They're mean Dude, birds, aren't they? I, I, I don't know. I think so. One smashed into the window up here on the fourth floor or the fifth floor uh, a long time ago when this was Radio Now 93.1 and there's a studio down on Monument Circle and, and I had seen it drop i thought it was a human body it ran straight into the window like on the seventh floor i don't know maybe he thought he was going after another falcon that was in his territory the reflection in the glass right but it plummeted all the way down and i heard it from inside the bulletproof blast proof studio hit the floor i thought somebody jumped off the top floor as a falcon good lord have it you ever had any have you ever had like a bat or anything get in your house 
like birds or anything like that? No, not yet. Knock on wood. I mean, we've had the you know mouse in the house or something like yeah. that, but any homeowner gets that. Haven't had any wild animals per se or birds. You? Um, trying to think. I think we may have had a stray cat somehow get in our house once, but we got, we got him right back out through, through, through like a cracked door or something. But it has happened to others, which oh, yeah. brings us to great moments in animals breaking into houses history. <laughs> this was a viral video of a deer oh. crashing through a house. Came out here with my dog, and my dog jumped up and ran to the side of the house, and I heard a weird noise, and I seen this big deer coming toward me. <laughs> Went through my glass door, through my house. I didn't want him to go where my son was. <laughs> You hear that thing crash through? <laughs> yeah. They're now, they can be like dangerous animals if they're, they feel trapped. Now, crashing is something I want you to listen for in this next clip. Okay. This is a confused deer crashing through a nursing home window, okay? And listen to this wild deer just bust through the window like the Kool-Aid man. Oh, my God. Don't. 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 There is a deer in here. <laughs> Oh, he's out! He's out! Look out! He's out! Imagine those poor old folks in the nursing home. You know, they're probably freaking out. I would have been. Deer are tough, though, man. They could. I remember hitting a deer on 74, headed back to Lisbon late one night in the 90s. uh, And uh, we damaged my car, and we went back the next day, and we couldn't find it. He's like sitting we, there waiting for you. Yeah. He's got a baseball bat in his hand. He I'm wants like, a I was payback. Doing like I was doing 70 at 3 o'clock in the morning and nailed that dude. Now, that last clip we played, I want you to pay attention to the glass breaking sound effect. Because okay. to me, that sounded like the Stone Cold Steve Austin theme music. <laughs> so I've mixed the two together here. I've got the confused deer mixed with Stone Cold Steve Austin's music. Don't, don't, don't. There is a deer in here. Oh, he's out. He's out. He's out. He's out. My God. No. The deer's out. Business is about to pick up. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! So I don't know, Hammer, do we have... Has that... Fat-ass pervert Keegan Klein been sentenced yet? Not yet. Uh, what's the holdup here? This They started this process this morning at like 9 a.m. Yeah, it's been a long day in court, but Keegan Klein, the guy that had contact with one of the girls that lost their lives in the Delphi murder mm-hmm. shortly before uh, the incident, uh, busted for a bunch of child porn, pled guilty for uh, 25, I believe, charges of just the worst things imaginable for a parent. 
children sending lewd videos and photos and pictures. He was also the guy that used that fake profile, Anthony Schatz, to collect nearly 100 sexually explicit images and videos from young girls in 2016 to 2017. Now, state police say that Kagan Klein exchanged messages with Libby German using that profile. German and her friend Abby Williams were killed near the Monon High Bridge in February of 2017. Now, Kagan Klein not facing any charges at all no. in regards to the deaths of those two young ladies. This was all about the child porn today and still in court. A bunch of people have been testifying, a lot of former victims. You know, I've talked about my jury duty experience in the past and how I was really fascinated with the trial that I got. I got a high-profile murder. I was really into it. I don't know if I could collect myself to see that type of stuff in a court. Oh, yeah, you got to look at that stuff. They'll show you pictures. They'll show you that stuff. I mean, yeah, how, how else are you going to find somebody guilty or not guilty unless you look and see exactly what they were looking at? So, Kathy Knight, the probation officer, was on the stand earlier today. She recommended a 32-year prison sentence plus three years for probation for Kagan Klein. We don't know if the judge is going to accept that or not. It's still an ongoing matter. So, if we get any sort of resolution between now and the end of the program, we will certainly bring that along to you. But there was also a hearing about the botched Afghan withdrawal. Ugh, and I don't know about that. you, Nige, but it feels like this is a story that has fallen out of the news cycle and it shouldn't. Joe Biden should not get a pass on what happened bringing people out of Afghanistan and the loss of life that happened afterwards. Well, not only that, I mean, he should, uh, he should be impeached on his Afghanistan debaucher, uh, de- debacle alone. He could be impeached in that. And then when the bodies came home, of some of our brave men and women who lost their life over there, that scumbag standing there looking at his watch like he had other things to do, he was too busy to be there. Just a bad look, man. It just rubbed me the wrong way. And earlier today, uh, Republican Representative McCall speaking to a colonel, Seth Crummick, and asked him if he ever saw an actual withdrawal plan presented to him. Yeah, there was a recommendation, mm-hmm. and you talked about the failure to meet the Doha agreement, but the president disregarded that, ignored that. He disregarded the advice of his his DOD and, and IC and National Security Council. Was there ever an evacuation plan? Did you see, I know there's discussions, did you ever see an evacuation plan? I did not. The discussions were going on at this high level. The problem was those that would need to actually plan and rehearse it were extremely busy. I think Sergeant Major captured it eloquently of how busy and how few service members we had on the ground. They were not in a position to be able to plan and rehearse. Now, we've issued several subpoenas. I have not seen an evacuation plan. If they had it, I think they would have produced it to this committee. And this led to the chaos. And that's what it was, chaos. You had people hanging on planes, taking off, trying to hitch rides. Allies of the United States, Afghan allies that were left behind, 13 
uh, service members that were blown up and killed. Uh, Bagram Air Force Base just completely taken over by the Taliban and, and hundreds, I mean, what, billions and billions of dollars worth of military equipment left behind as well? Just left behind. Some of the dogs that the military uses just left behind. Here's a little bit more from the colonel. The bottom line is the administration controlled how we withdrew and when we withdrew, making them the majority stakeholder of many guilty parties in the failure and collapse of Afghanistan in the current Taliban rule. I'll tell you what, that that debacle in Afghanistan really made people on a national level, on a world level, think that this country is completely incompetent and the administration, the people that are running this country are completely incompetent. Anything Joe Biden has touched in regards to foreign policy has turned to crap. Everything. There isn't a win in the column for Joe Biden and this administration when it comes to foreign policy. Man, count on hands, uh, both hands and toes on how many people were telling Joe Biden, no, this is not a good idea to just yank the Band-Aid off and go out. Donald Trump had a plan, an exit strategy, and you just totally blew it up. So this book coming out about Tucker Carlson sounds like it might be a juicy one, Nige. Uh, of course, Tucker fired by Fox earlier in the year. And this biography from a guest that's been on his program a number of times. Chadwick Moore. Yeah. It's supposed to be pretty, pretty interesting. We had that. We, we, we talked about it last night about his, Tucker's. Um, uh, what did he say about Pence? Basically, basically knew that he was a phony and yeah. a fraud. That was kind of the, you know, takeaway from what Tucker Carlson right. thinks about Mike Pence. Uh, but in the book, Chadwick Moore tells the story of how Tucker thinks that the whole Dominion settlement is why he no longer has a show. Now, some folks at Fox have done some interviews where they've said, no, no, that's not the case. Quote, this is an excerpt from the book. Quote, they agreed to take me off the air my show off the air as a condition of the Dominion settlement. They had to settle this. Rupert Murdoch, the 92-year-old Fox News owner, couldn't testify. I think that deal was made minutes before the trial was going to start. Yeah, because there was going to be testimony. They were going to be putting Fox executives and Fox personalities on the stand, and they didn't want that. All right, we'll settle this for almost $800 million. And by the way, you got to fire your most popular talk show host. They wanted to punish Fox News, and they did it. And, and really, Fox it News wasn't caved. even Tucker that was so adamant about the Dominion story. Not at all. Not at all. He said, where's the proof? Okay, that's fine. If, if these machines are corrupted, where's the proof? I mean, that you look at some of the guests and some of the other things that were said by other hosts. That's way more out there than anything Tucker has said about that situation. But because Tucker was at the top of the food chain, they wanted to make an example out of Fox, and Tucker lost his job as a result of it. The and the ratings have gone down ever since Tucker left Fox. I don't I don't watch it nearly as much. I watch the five still. Yeah, I like um, Jesse Waters, I, 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 and he's I, I, been good to this program. Yeah, uh, I, I watch the five and Jesse, but I'm just not as interested anymore. I guess I don't know why. It's, it's, it's something's different for me about that. Tucker was that good at what he did. Emmer and Nigel presents is. 
It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Gamer. How do we play Is This Anything? I will run a number of stories by you. Your job is to break down all the information that's been presented and give us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? Is this anything? Here's a Granny Karen telling her neighbor that she's going to report his kids to the HOA for doing sidewalk chalk art. You can report to the HOA. You son of a on, come on. You won't even tell your kids to stop it. Where's your wife? She's a nice person. She talks nice. Where is Janine? Can you get her out here? No, I cannot. Get out of my house, please. It's your house? Oh, well, that's good to know. Get out of my house. Gonna do what? Get your hand off my car, please. Okay, your video is going online. Well, you have nice kids and you have a nice wife. Well, apparently they're not nice when they're just coloring chalk on the sidewalk. The sidewalk? Yes. What's bothering you about this? Because it looks like. I mean, this old bag. <laughs> this, I go to our uh, Twitter account at Hammer and Nigel, scroll down a few posts. I, I posted video of this lady. She's in this guy's garage. This, this woman, and, and she's got a husband. He's trying to pull her away. And she's upset. And it makes me mad because my kids love doing the sidewalk chalk art. They do it all the time. Um, it's one of their favorite things to do with their buddies in the neighborhood. If you have good neighbors, you have neighbors that you love and respect and are friends with, just you know, say a little prayer to God that it stays that way because there are people in this country that have crazy, bat crap, lunatic neighbors like this old bag. And how could anybody? I mean, that's like a staple of childhood is sidewalk chalk that, by the way, it gets erased the moment it rains. It right. washes away. Right. It's not there permanently. It's not graffiti. She, she's literally standing in his garage like uh, she was putting her her hands on his car. Get your wife out here. Get your kids out here. The sidewalk chalk looks like bleep. The minute she starts touching items in your home, does it make you a horrible person if you remove her hand from it? <laughs> well, and I'm being well, nice look, about it. When you see how old this lady is, you're not going to be able to, you know. Uh, Bull crap. <laughs> Makes it easier. And her husband, her husband was just kind of standing. What's wrong with you? Allison, <laughs> just looking so defeated over there right now. Judging me three ways till Sunday. <laughs> so, so yes, this is something. It's out of control. Uh, go to our Twitter and and look at the actual video. I'm, I'm stunned people act like this. And I'm so thankful that I don't have neighbors that would ever try to pull that crap yeah i just watched it scroll down a couple tweets uh it's down there granny karen upset about sidewalk chalk art ridiculous in better news nige is this anything i think i already know the answer today is national chili dog day oh yeah that's something love a good chili dog are you kidding me does dairy queen still have like the foot long chili cheese dog 
Like, because they used to have the foot-long ones, man. Uh, Now, Sonic does now, right? Yeah, Sonic has the (laughs) foot-long one. Jeez, foot I don't think I've ever had the foot-long. Oh, come on. I know. I I never had the foot-long chili cheese dog. No way. Yeah, it's a a big, bad mamma-jamma. But at least the extra-large one now. Uh, man, it was so good. You load it up with chili and then the cheese and then the onions and then you'd regret life probably about 30 minutes afterwards, <laughs> but it's so good at the time. So the question becomes, where in Indy can you go that has the best chili dog? Best oh. chili dog in well, Indy. Well, look, some of these vendors outside on the circle. I, I don't know if the guy's still out there or not. I think last year, the year before maybe. Or maybe it was during COVID. He parked, he set up shop right outside the studio down there in the circle. I went there a few times a week and got a chili dog. Oh, so he good. does business over there just past uh, Potbelly on the corner now. Okay. So he's maintained his business. He's just moved uh, down about go, a block. I'm going to walk down there then. I'm going to walk down there tomorrow and get one. So to celebrate That's the best place. National Chili Dog Day, yes. ladies and gentlemen, here's a little tribute from the Hammer and Nigel show. Sucking on a chili dog, 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 chili dog, sucking on a chili dog, sucking on a dog, sucking on a chili dog, sucking on, sucking on chili dog. Come on, sucking on a dog, sucking on a chili dog. Sucking on chili, <laughs> sucking on a dog. I forgot about this, man. Sucking on a chili dog, sucking on chili dog. <laughs> a little ditty about Jack and Diane. Two American kids sucking on a chili dog. There it is. Oh, that's wonderful. Is this anything? Dolly Parton has rolled out a song for the 2024 Paris Olympics. Okay. And that song is a cover of the Queen hit, We Are the Champions. I've paid my dues. Oh, boy. (laughs) Time after time. I've done my sentence. Nige doesn't look happy. And I like Dolly Parton, but... This is going to be one of the Olympic songs. I've made a few. For the Olympics? Come on, Dolly, bring it home. Is this anything? No, no. I mean, she's still got the pipes for sure. She's 77 years old. But why just use the, the original version? For the Olympics. The Queen, we are the champions. Dolly said, quote, I love the Olympics. I do my best to plan my schedule to watch as much of it as I possibly can. So I think NBC and their coverage is going to be using a lot of this version of Dolly, which brings us to great moments and Queen cover song history. Okay. How about Warrant doing We Will Rock You? Do you remember this? No, I've we never heard will, this. We will rock you. This is Warrant. Got 
That's a no from me, dog. Yeah, no thanks. All right, now, I don't know if this counts as a cover because the remaining band members, Queen, are playing the music here, but on vocals for Bohemian Rhapsody, Axl Rose. Okay, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I like this, especially knowing that Brian May and the rest of the band is... Yeah. Elton John opened up that version, and then when the rock version came on, Axl Rose comes spinning out there and does that part. Uh, Great moments in Queen cover song history. The Foo Fighters with Taylor Hawkins, mainly on the vocals here, doing Under Pressure. was a staple of Foo Fighters concerts before Taylor died. Rest in peace. Yeah, that was they, they do a killer version of that for sure. And last but not least, my favorite. There's more? You, Big Nige huh? doing Fat Bottom Girls. Oh no. My wife was looking at me like I was. All right, bring it home, Nige. Here we go. You hear them laughing at me in the background? (laughs) The Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. So remember that Target letter earlier this month that was sent to Donald Trump and his people basically telling him, yeah, you're the target of a, some special counsel investigation. And there's a grand jury convening uh, to hear evidence about January 6th. That you're the focus of this, and we could have an indictment against you. Uh, yes. Donald Trump is anticipating an indictment, I believe. So far, we have not seen an indictment. No. Come down. And as a matter of fact, Trump's legal team had a, quote, productive meeting with, uh, what's it? Is the it Justice J- Department. The Justice Department. I was trying to think of the, the guy that's running the special counsel. Is it Jack, Jack Smith? Smith? The lunatic Jack Smith! <laughs> uh, on his Truth Social platform earlier today, Donald Trump lays out, quote, in detail that I did nothing wrong, I advised many lawyers and that an indictment of me would only further destroy our country. No indication of notice was given during the meeting. Hmm. So maybe it's inevitable. Maybe it's not. Even Donald Trump thought number three was coming down the, uh, the pike here, but it hasn't been passed out just yet. And again, this one would be in regards to January 6th activity and whether or not he whipped up the crowd and then as a result 
was he trying to overthrow the election results? They're going to pile a lot of crap onto this one. And then don't forget Georgia. They're still brewing up a batch of indictments down in Georgia, too. So he's certainly not out of the uh, weeds just yet. Every time he does, though, it seems like every time an indictment comes down, and there's been a few of them, he gets a bump in the polls. He always does. And if there is solid evidence, I'm not saying that there is, uh, that Trump tried to somehow you know, snatch back the election through some sort of illegal maneuver. Does that matter more to voters than stupid these stupid process crimes of the documents that were in the bathroom in Mar-a-Lago. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. I don't I, I don't I don't think so. I think you know what's not killing Trump here is only making him stronger. Do you think there are some Democrats though that are actually excited to see Trump's poll numbers go up because they want him to be the nominee. They feel like they can put the corpse that is Joe Biden yeah. up there, the weakened at Bernie's corpse, and beat Donald Trump again. They don't even have to put his corpse up there. They can keep him in the basement like he did last time. And that's probably what Trump should be doing at this level. Now, that's assuming assuming Joe Biden's going to be the nominee, because there's another tinfoil hat theory out there that let's just say this Hunter Biden legal situation takes a sideways turn and he actually faces a little jail time here for the gun charge, lying on the form, whatever it is. Would Joe Biden pardon Hunter Biden and then say, I'm out? I'm stepping down. I'm not running for re-election. Last thing I'm going to do is pardon my son and then do the Dennis Miller, I am out of here. Sign <laughs> off, throw a pen and paper in the air. Uh, well, could you put put me in queue there? Uh, it's funny you mentioned the pardoning. That, that's an interesting tinfoil theory. Uh, but somebody asked, somebody from Fox News asked Kareem Jean-Pierre today if... If that were the case, if Joe Biden would ever consider uh, pardoning Hunter, here was what she said. Hey, go back to the first question of the briefing. I know you said not a lot's changed since yesterday, and that it's a personal matter. But from a presidential perspective, is there any possibility that the president would end up pardoning his son? No. Well, is there? A- I, I just said no. I just That's answered. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's a big no. It's a big no. But she also claimed that she hadn't spoke with Joe Biden because he's been so busy, but yet she already knows that in no way is he going to pardon Hunter. I don't buy it for a minute. Now, I don't think it's going to come to that. I've got very little faith that anything is going to happen to Hunter Biden because this is just where we're at with our justice system. But if the stars are aligned and crackhead McGee ends up behind bars, (laughs) you can't tell me that Joe Biden wouldn't pardon him because he loves his son. He's made that perfectly clear. And then right off into the sunset. Of course he'd pardon him. Of right. course he would. Meanwhile, over on MSNBC, they were covering a story about Trump, and they somehow morphed it into Republicans are terrorists. <laughs> now, take a listen to this. MSNBC, never ones for hyperbole, uh, they brought on a guest who was comparing Republicans to, like, 9-11-style terrorists. Yeah, that old chestnut. (laughs) And said that new laws need to be created to treat them as such. 
after 9-11, the, the laws didn't work. Like, they made massive changes to respond to a new threat. And I think we have to face the fact that many of our structures, laws, and policies may not work. After 9-11, we created the Department of Homeland Security. There was the Patriot Act. There was massive change in our entire society to face the number one threat, or at least what was communicated as the number one threat. I think we need the same kind of tectonic shift. It's got to be much more than, than see something, say something. But maybe our laws need to change to respond to the fact that someone like Mike Flynn, the former national security director, is openly calling for violence consistently. Openly calling for violence consistently. Now do BLM. (laughs) Yeah. Please. The Summer of Love 2020 is begging for you to talk about that just a little bit. It's funny. So many folks on the left want to act like that year never happened. But you know what? The bigger picture here is they they are trying to paint Republicans or people that want to vote for Trump or the MAGA hat wearing um, base. Uh, They're trying to shame them into uh, calling them terrorists. You want to vote for somebody who tried to overturn an election, blah, blah, blah. That's what this really all is about. I was fighting with someone on social media last <laughs> night. You don't say. Uh, I did a follow-up interview with Wish TV about the whole Jason Aldean thing. And some ticked-off woman came at me, and Republicans are the reason why so many police officers died on January 6th. To which I simply presented her multiple pieces of evidence that say... Yeah, that didn't happen. The coroner reports, the medical examinations, you had a couple of suicides, and a guy died from natural causes. The only person that was shot and killed on January 6th was an unarmed protester trying to go in. Ashley Babbitt shot right. at point blank range in the neck. And I can promise you, if there's a BLM riot in Portland, Oregon, and some unarmed rioter stormed the police station, and was shot and killed. Uh, you know, LeBron James would be wearing that person's name on the back of his jersey. Right. But it just it dawned on me that how many people think this because they've been told this from the media over and over again that bloodthirsty Trump supporters bludgeon people with fire extinguishers and shot law enforcement on January 6th. No. As a matter of fact, to this very day, Alec Baldwin has killed more people than anyone that stormed into the Capitol. And that is a fact. The doctors, the coroners, the medical exam people, they've all got their reports out there. But it's been beat over people's heads so many times that bloodthirsty Trump reporters, supporters almost brought down our democracy. Well, number one, we're not a democracy. And number two, I find it hard to believe that a guy in a Viking hat is going to be the thing (laughs) that ends the great run that the United States has had. Uh, Miss Allison, hit me with a little mood music, please. We're coming to your city. You ready to make a little roadie? Finally. Taking the Hammer and Nigel show on the road. Finally. Listen, if you're a part of the WIBC sales staff or the management team here, get us out on the damn road more often, man. We want to meet the people. We want to have some drinks. Let's get this thing rolling. And we're going to be at the Indiana State Fair Friday, August 4th. It's a beer sample Friday. Sticks concert coming up that night. This is going to be fun. And what's awesome right now is that if you want to buy your tickets online, you'll save money. You can save up to 40% 
on admission fees if you buy your tickets online before the state fair begins so go to indianastatefair.com get your discount tickets they've got a couple different ways you can save money i want to you think tommy shaw can talk to us that'd be cool that'd be cool think i can get some deep fried oreos and about eight <laughs> beers think that could happen too i'm sure that we could definitely make that happen tommy Let's shaw do not that. so much but maybe uh some what do you call it deep fried beer Deep fried beer, oh. deep fried Oreos, <laughs> deep fried cigarettes, whatever they got. Bring it over. We're going to sample it on the air. We'll smoke it live on the air. <laughs> Man, I can't wait. Hope to see all you guys there. Mark it on your calendars. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. This is a 16-year-old. <laughs> I guess he's some sort of jump rope expert that lives in China. Have you, ever, okay. have you ever heard of a jump rope expert? Now, I've seen those people at like halftime of the Pacer games to do the crazy jump rope stuff. Oh, really? It's really cool, actually. Well, like, yeah, you got like two people on either end of the rope and then a third in the middle doing all the tricks and stuff. Okay, but this guy is is a 16-year-old Chinese jump rope expert. He broke a Guinness World Record by skipping rope 374 times in just one minute wow that's a lot 374 times skipping rope in just one minute so let me ask you this question then what do you think is more of an amazing feat that or the guy that was trying to set the guinness world record for longest cry attempt Uh, I think the longest cry attempt is more impressive. <laughs> Quite frankly, if you if you put a gun to my head, that guy was awesome. And yeah. I think if I remember that story correctly, he uh, went partially blind while doing that. Yes, he was crying so hard. He went so hard he lost his damn sight. So yes, I think that warrants uh, <laughs> the championship in this Didn't little head match. Yeah, just play it. Just play it a little bit one more time. <laughs> Sounds like Matt Bear at the Virgin Islands. Sounds like me when I open up the fridge and I'm out of, all out of Miller Lite. <laughs> um, with that being said, hit me with a little mood music, please. There was a poll, a little survey, that found the most annoying vacation photos that people post online. And the front runners were... People trying to look sexy while on vacation. Anything that involves yoga. The classic legs by the pool shot. And the picture of couples where one member of the pair is pulling the other one like to the beach. Those are the most hated photos of vacation. Are you kidding me? Those are my favorites. And that's why people hate you. Chicks chicks looking trying to look sexy. Anything that involves yoga pants and yoga and and or classic legs by the pool shot. 
Now, I don't want to see your legs by the pool, Biden. I'm talking about female legs. Okay. I thought you meant, <laughs> hey, I post my legs by the pool all the time. I got hairy legs. Well, if you're a female and you uh, want to brag about being on the beach in your bikini, post away. They turn blonde in the sun. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. And Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock Lock here uh, to 93 WIBC at the top and bottom of every hour. We will uh, keep you updated on the sentencing hearing for Keegan Klein that is going on uh, at this moment. We don't know how long. Uh, well, I mean, it's been going on since this morning. It's been forever. So uh, we will continue to have updates on that. Keegan Klein Hammer, of course, is the guy that ran the Anthony Schatz account, who was also in contact with uh, the victims of the Delphi murder. He has right. not been charged. He was questioned in that murder, but um, but we will keep you updated. The prosecution is looking for like. 32 years of jail time. The defense has recommended a sentence of around 16. Because of, you know, kitty porn, 100 or more sexually explicit images, a lot of catfishing going on with underage. The judge took a recess about 30 minutes ago to consider the sentence. So at this point, you're just waiting for the judge to come back and issue the sentence. So whenever that happens, uh, Harrison Silcox and the amazing WIBC News team will have you covered. Speaking of uh, horrific things to children, this hearing in D.C. earlier today on transgender surgeries for children was really powerful really emotional and one of the key speakers today was a detransitioning woman named chloe cole now she thought she was transgender early on went through the surgery went through the process and then later realized it was a mistake and her testimony today was so incredibly moving at the age of 12 i began to experience what my medical team would later diagnose as gender dysphoria I was well into an early puberty, and I was very uncomfortable with the changes that were happening to my body. I was was intimidated by male attention, and when I told my parents that I felt like a boy, in retrospect, all I meant was that I hated puberty, that I wanted this newfound sexual attention to go away. I came out as transgender in a letter I sent on the dining room table. My parents were immediately concerned. They felt like they needed to get outside help from medical professionals. But this proved to be a mistake. It immediately set our entire family down a path of ideologically motivated deceit and coercion. The gender specialist I was taken to, taken to see, told my parents that I need to be put on puberty blocking drugs right away. They asked my parents a simple question. Would you rather have a dead daughter or a living transgender son? Yeah, that's one of the 
you know, th- that's one of the old canards the pro-trans activists use is that, hey, if you don't let your kids transition, if you don't let your kids chop off body parts, if you don't let your kids who uh, use hormone blockers, then they're going to kill themselves. And that's completely false. There was a doctor that testified today that said that, you know, that's completely the opposite of how it really is. But somehow, due to messaging, it's become the go-to line. Now, this next clip, it's a little longer. It's about 90 seconds. But I want you to stay with me and listen to the passion in this young lady's voice. And my doctors, with their theories on gender, thought that all my problems would go away as soon as I was surgically transformed into something that vaguely resembled a boy. Their theories were wrong. The drugs and surgeries changed my body, but they did not and could not change the basic reality that I am and forever will be a female. When my specialist first told my parents that they could have a dead daughter or a live transgender son, I wasn't suicidal. I was a happy child who struggled because she was different. However, at 16, after my surgery, I did become suicidal. I'm doing better now. But my parents almost got the dead daughter promised to them by my doctors. My doctors had almost created the very nightmare they said they were trying to avoid. I need to be given therapy to help me work through my issues, not affirm to my delusion that by transforming into a boy, it would solve all my problems. We need to stop telling 12-year-olds that they were born wrong. We need to stop telling children that puberty is an option. That they can choose what kind of puberty they will go through, just so they can choose what clothes to wear or what music to listen to. Puberty is a rite of passage to adulthood, not a disease to be mitigated. My childhood was ruined along with thousands of detransitioners that I know through our networks. This needs to stop. You alone can stop it. Enough children have already been victimized by this barbaric pseudoscience. Please let me be your final warning. Thank you. And there are a lot of Democrats in the Indiana General Assembly, many on the city county council that still want to move forward with this radical surgery on minors. Yeah, the rush to prescribe hormone blockers, the rush to have sex chain surgeries for minors is really outpacing even what we know about gender dysphoria which is a real thing families go through it i'm not saying you can't have sex change surgery they outlawed it in russia by the way all sex change surgeries Uh, i'm not saying you can't do it i'm just saying don't do it until you are 18 years of age or older because the left hates hearing stories like this about regret they hate it Dr. Jennifer Bowens, who is the director for the Center of Family Studies, also was a part of this hearing in Washington today. These interventions are being endorsed based on consensus, not evidence. Uh, in In the case of gender affirming care, the term evidence based does not mean that this practice is standing on the merits of solid research findings addressing gender dysphoria. Instead, it refers to a vote by those who are ideological supporters of the practice. Compared to other psychological disorders found in the DSM-5-TR, gender dysphoria is currently uh, being treated with the most invasive 
invasive interventions connected to a psychological issue with the lowest quality of evidence to support that practice. And two, the success rates of non-intervention for gender dysphoria for children already exceed what most psychological interventions have. In most mm. cases, 85% or more of those experiencing gender dysphoria will desist if they are left alone. This is a higher rate than most well-established and researched psychological interventions. And with success rates this high, it is actually unethical to intervene. The but, lesson is yeah. ride it out. Get be, help. Be patient. Yes. Do not don't, rush. Don't lean into it. Right. Unbelievable day of testimony yes. in Washington. The Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Hammer right over there with a special guest to the DriveHubler.com hotline. We got drama. We got some feuding, some drama at Colts training camp. Uh-oh. Kevin Bowen from 107.5 The Fan, the Kevin and Query morning show, joining us. KB, there was some tweeting happening last night. Jim Ursay tweets. Jonathan Taylor's agent tweets. Catch everybody up to speed here. What's going on? Yeah, you know, a public uh, contract negotiations playing out, which is not something I think Chris Ballard wants. I don't frankly think it's yeah. what Jonathan Taylor wants either. Yeah, I was surprised by the Ursay tweet, certainly. And, you know, surprised with Jim Ursay comments is probably something I should learn from. But um, you know, to be totally honest with you, I think Ursay's tweet was a lot more about defending the shield. And I know that might sound like a dumb statement, but I think ever since last fall, when Jim Mercer was very public in his criticism over Daniel Snyder, the ex-owner of the Washington Redskins, he has really felt this kind of, um, I don't know, a little bit of a power trip in wanting to make sure the NFL and the stewardship of that is of most importance. And, you know, frankly, I don't disagree with anything Ursay tweeted. Um, now, real quick, let me stop you right there, KB. For somebody who hasn't seen the tweets, last night Jim Ursay basically lays it all out on Twitter that these NFL running backs wanting all these new contracts that feel like they're being done dirty, you signed the deal, the collective bargaining agreement agreement that you guys all agreed to is in place so let's cut the crap now i'm paraphrasing that and it was directed towards jonathan taylor specifically Correct. and then taylor's agent clapped back at jim ursay so we've got this going on but you're telling us that you think ursay is kind of in that stage in his career of i'm here to defend the nfl yeah, and I would just add something. I know Nigel said that was directed towards Jonathan Taylor. I mean, clearly, when you know one of your own players, a running back in this case, is having the contract issues that Taylor's having, there is an element of Taylor in that. But I think a lot of it is just league-wide of all these running backs that are chatting right now about it. And Ursa wants to be like, guys, hello, remember the collective bargaining agreement? The franchise tag was agreed upon with your NFL Players Association, which, again, I think Ursa is spot on. Now, Taylor's agent responded back and said something to the effect of, you know, bad faith would be not paying your best offensive player. Hard to argue against that either. So what we have now is we have a very public contract dispute which is very rare for the Colts, especially in the last yeah. kind of five to ten years. This is not something that we have seen very often. So obviously, how all of this plays out will be uh, appointment viewing. 
So how does it work behind the scenes? Because I guess I wouldn't even, the casual Colts fan wouldn't have even known Jonathan Taylor was having contract negotiations if Jim Irsay didn't tweet that and then Taylor's agent responded. Yeah, you know, typically in the Colts under Chris Ballard, they have extended guys that have outperformed their rookie contracts. And for those unfamiliar with it, basically if you're a second-round picker later, you get a four-year rookie deal. Going into year four, you're eligible for an extension. Guys like Darius Leonard at the time, Quentin Nelson, I know he was a first-round pick, but he got an extension. Braden Smith got an extension. Naheem Hines got an extension. So Taylor and Michael Pittman are both you know, eligible for one, and you can make the argument, certainly with Taylor, that he is due one. Now, you know, the, the public nature to this, we've seen Taylor speak out a little bit back in the spring. We saw even Chris Ballard, I think, kind of speak to Taylor's agent with some of his comments earlier this week, but not to the level of what I think is a bit of Twitter pettiness. Again, I think it's league-wide, Ursay's comments, but read the room. You know, Jonathan Taylor's going to react. Clearly his agent had a reaction to that. I would assume Colts players have a reaction to that. And as much as I disagree with the notion that you draft a running back in the second round like they did with Taylor back in 2020, because we're seeing a play out right now. This is why you don't draft one, because you get three years into it and you say, oh, he wants that value? He's not worth that. He plays running back. You know, to me, second-round picks should be pillar players You know, six, eight years down the road. As much as I disagree with that premise, you got to live in reality. And the reality is this. you got a rookie quarterback. You can't skimp on, on supporting him with skill players. And that means Jonathan Taylor. That means Michael Pittman, the value that they would like. Both got the money. It's not like they can sit here and act like, oh, we don't have the money. I think you got to spend it. But, Kevin, you look around the league and look at the really good teams here, the Kansas Cities, the San Francisco's, the teams like that, the Philadelphia's. The running back position, they don't spend a lot of money at that spot on those successful teams. They spend the money on the quarterbacks. They spend the money on the wide receivers, maybe the edge rushers, some defensive backs. The running back position around the league as a whole, uh, it just feels like that position isn't something that warrants teams spending big money anymore. And I think that's a great point, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying about you don't draft the running back in the second round. I I don't think you draft one before round four. That's just my philosophy, but that's neither here nor there. You have to live in reality, and the reality is this. You're not the Chiefs. You're not the Eagles. You're not one of those teams. You're a bad football team with a very inexperienced rookie quarterback. And I would argue a rookie quarterback like Anthony Richardson is in some pretty fragile moments early in his career. This is the time to support him. This is the time to do some things out of the ordinary. You're going to get three, four years into the Richardson tenure, and you know he's going to be wanting to make more money and all of that. You can you know rebuild, or I should say retool, maybe what your roster looks like then down the road. For now, a two, three-year extension for Taylor, you know, three or four years for, for Michael Pittman, that makes sense. You let these guys walk, and he's dealing with a bunch of, you know, barren cupboard of skill players. So that's where I get back to the point of I don't think you can take shortcuts here. I think you've got to bite the bullet a little bit, uh, you know, pay, overpay, whatever you want to call it. And then, again, two or three years down the road, you can uh, maneuver in a different, different sort of direction. So Jonathan Taylor is officially on the pup list, physically unable to perform. Is this because of an ankle injury, an ankle surgery that he had in the offseason, or is this the Colts brass putting him on this list to make sure that he still gets a paycheck, it's in good faith here, nobody's fining him for holding out, and they're going to try to work something out? What do you think? 
Yeah, I think with, with Taylor, frankly, um, I think this could be a little bit of his own doing. And I will fully admit here, Hammer, like I am offering a little bit of just guesswork here. But a couple things to keep in mind here. One, Jonathan Taylor's rep by the same agent that rep Shaquille Leonard. Shaquille Leonard two years ago walked into training camp, had an ankle issue. A little surprised that he wasn't on the pup list. Uh, to, to start camp, he missed the first 10 practices. He puts pen to paper on a new contract extension on August 7th. Boom, August 10th, he's good to go. Huh. Are we seeing something similar play out here? I, I don't think I'm like 10 foil conspiracy theorists. I, I just think these are things you have to point out. We're talking about Jonathan Taylor having surgery back in January for a high ankle sprain. I think you talk to anybody in the medical field, high ankle sprains are not supposed to linger for six plus months. Jim Mercer just said a few weeks ago, Jonathan Taylor's healed up. So it, just, it doesn't all add up to me. Is this some of Taylor's doing? Is this some of Taylor's saying, I don't want to go out there when I'm in some of these contract issues? You know, I, I, I know what I am as a player. Again, I, I might be dead wrong on that, but I think these are all possibilities that you have to – uh, acknowledge here and can't just act like those are not, you know, questions that deserve to be asked. So I asked Shane Steichen yesterday, when's Taylor going to come uh, come off that pup list? He said when he's 100%. He was pretty, very vague with detail. So, again, we have a very hard knock storyline playing out for the Colts contractually. And considering how Taylor's wired, this is very unique for the organization, particularly for a player on and off the field like Taylor. KB, we got less than a minute left here. Have you had a chance to look at Anthony Richardson, the uh, quarterback the Colts took early on out of Florida? If so, what's the uh, what's the report? Yeah, so yesterday, again, just we're just one practice into this, but yesterday he took all of the second-team reps. It was a very quiet day from a passing game standpoint for him and Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew took all 15 of the starting reps. But I think kind of this time next week, guys, is when we'll get into the, okay, if you're a week in the camp and Gardner Minshew is still dominating the first-team reps and taking all those, he's got to be viewed as a favorite to be the starter. You only have three preseason games. It's not like you have a ton. So I don't know where Richardson would maybe take this giant leap. Again, I am a fan of playing him early. I think he needs those reps. Um, the question to me of, is he ready? You're never going to know if he's truly ready. Uh, the only way you can know that is to put him in games and see what he needs to work on and things like that. If you're worried about his fragile makeup in a game setting, then you probably don't have the right wired quarterback. Uh, Peyton Manning threw the most interceptions in NFL history for any rookie quarterback in his 3-13 and rookie season. And look how he turned out. I think you got to throw him into the fire. But right now, again, we're very, very early into this. Minshew is certainly the lead guy. He is one half of the Kevin and Query Morning Show, 107.5 The Fan, Kevin Bowen. KB, thank you so much for the update. You bet. Always enjoy having on, guys. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. And now, Hammer and Nigel go off the rails with rock and noise pollution. My name is Nigel. 
Mitchell, Jason Hammer is here. Rob Kendall from the Kendall and Casey Show. Here to go off the rails. Rob, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, as always, to our segment sponsor, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. One of the things I I meant to ask Casey yesterday, I want to ask you this. Uh, Your interview with uh, the Republican running for mayor of Marion County, Indianapolis, uh, Jefferson Sharif, you had him in studio for about an hour yesterday. Did he ever directly address where he came up with the idea for the gun grab portion, the mirroring of Joe Hogsett's public safety policy in terms of uh, guns? Well, he he did, but it was like when a woman would ask me years ago, how'd you get my phone number? It's kind of a vague, meandering answer where there's three or four possible places, none of which really makes sense, but I mean, at least there was some form of an answer. Was his campaign guy Lubbers here no. in the room no. yesterday? L- okay. Like he, so he tried to say, you know, I talked to a lot of people. I talked to the IMPD. I talked to mothers. I talked to citizens. Apparently, he talked to everybody but people who listen to WIBC. <laughs> because they didn't get the input from here. And I got a lot of feedback from my friends in law enforcement, and they've been saying this for a long time. This whole thing is a nothing burger to them, this constitutional carry issue, because that's one thing that Shreve says is that, well, law enforcement told me this is something they're in favor of. Is it law enforcement or is it the talking heads of law enforcement who may or may not have their you know what's in a vice grip from the governor's office or even the mayor's office here in Indianapolis? Yeah. I think there's a big difference there. Yeah. And I mean, you know, he cited Doug Carter and it's like, dude, you are using that name at the wrong place. And I thought that was kind of weird. Look, he got bad advice. He listened to these same establishment people that have been, in many ways, losing and torpedoing campaigns for years. I mean, look at what Lubbers did with Luger. And that's the how guy- do these people still get hired, Rob? Give me some inside baseball. Like, how do these people still get jobs? Because if you're running for public office, the average person has no idea what they're doing. They don't know where to start. And these are the people who they are like vultures, man. I mean, they they don't go away and they just hang around and you know you listen to people that are kind of in your circle and these are the names that get tossed around like he got terrible advice and i thought i, I really thought yesterday because there was two weeks between when he made the announcement and he came on the show and we were the first interview that he did and he by the way he deserves a ton of credit for coming on no he, wait a minute he, he did run to the indie star well, for an op-ed. right but i'm but you know i'm saying in terms of hey there's a broadcast we're broadcasting the interview this was the first one he did i thought he was gonna have because he's a great business guy you don't get to be as rich as he is by not being really smart and creative, he was going to have something that was going to wow everybody. He was going to have something where we say, man, even if we don't agree with it, we understand it, and hey, we can all hold hands and jump off the bridge together. We didn't We didn't get that. I mean, I think people are more angry than before, yeah. and, and I just I, he didn't have the answer. You know what? It, it makes me, I told Hammer this on the year yesterday, because Hammer was going off on it again, and I go, man, you know, and he said, he, and, you know, Hammer doesn't know if he's actually going to vote for him or write in a vote for somebody else, but it makes me cringe every time I hear that, because... Uh, because you know Hogsett is doing like a Kirk Gibson fist pump every time he hears a voicemail coming out against Sharif, uh, a radio personality coming out and, and voicing his displeasure with that. You know what I mean? It's a win for Hogsett, and I hate that. Yeah, but I'm the last guy to say that, too, because I'm leave-it-blank guy. You know I hate these Republicans more than the Democrats a lot of times, because they're, and Hammer, you're feeling what I feel so often as it relates to taxes and spending. You're feeling betrayed, and you're feeling let down by someone who you expected to be 
better. Right. And it's somebody who doesn't want my support, clearly. So, And I hear what Nigel's saying, because Joe Hogsett is a total zero. I mean, an absolute zero. He should go down as one of the worst mayors in the history of this city. But instead, he's probably going to be a three-term mayor in this city. And that makes me throw up in my mouth a little bit. But the guy running against him looks at people like me as the problem. So why should I go out of my way to go to a place where I'm going to go vote at, stand in line, and give a check mark to somebody who's been giving me the finger for a couple weeks? Yeah, and, and I want to talk about Nigel's dad's voicemail in a second, because I oh, thought yeah. it, he said something some really important stuff. But first, the thing that is really offensive to a lot of people, and this is what kind of really rubbed me the wrong way, when it first came out, you, I was I was on. We had off the rails. Nigel wasn't wasn't there that day, but we had the conversation, and I kind of pushed it aside and said, "Look, it sounds to me like it's a box checking thing, and yes, it's stupid and ridiculous, and it's never going to happen. But I'm willing to give the guy a shot because we got to get rid of Hogset. And I don't think he means it, and I think he's winking and nodding and saying, "Yeah, hey, you know, I've checked this box, and from here we'll be fine. And you know, once I get elected, well, that'll be yesterday's news." He's running it in ads. He was prominently yeah. mentioning it in the Indie Star op-ed. He said yesterday very clearly, this is not pandering. I am all in on the gun grab, and that's impossible to defend. Again, seeing what's happening in the city of Indianapolis, if you don't live here, maybe you don't understand. And I know you guys, Nigel and Rob, don't live in Marion County, but you come down here and you spend eight to ten yeah. hours every day working here. And my dad lives down here. And your yeah. dad lives down here. You guys know what it's like. Sure. So imagine somebody telling you guys, or your dad, or people like myself, you don't get the right to have constitutional carry with everything going on in downtown Indianapolis right now. Republicans are phenomenal at letting their base down, and it's the same thing. Now, it's a different topic, but it's the same thing that's going on at a state level when you have all this money flowing in and all these surpluses, and then you find out the party that's supposed to be about low taxes and limited government deliberately spins down right to the number they have to get, and they change the state law to make sure you don't get your money back. That's what you're feeling, and you should be feeling that, and I'm never versus well, you got to vote for the guy. You didn't vote for anybody. Votes are earned. Right, 100%. Now, last thing here before we move on to some other stuff. You brought up something interesting yesterday, and I'm still thinking about this. If there's anything that could win me back, perhaps it's a television commercial or some sort of campaign from Jefferson Shreve asking where Joe Hogsett was during the nights of the riots and doing it in a demonstrative way, not candy assing around it, not kind of, you know, well, maybe he'll show up. No, I want commercials that say, where was he during the night of the riots? And who was in charge? Who was in charge? What was going on? If he puts out commercials like that, there's a chance people like me, some of us are way gone, but some of us might come back. Do you think he has the you-know-what's to do that? Well, you guys know one thing I'm good at. I'm not good at many things, but one thing is winning elections. And the reason <laughs> I would do this if I were him is twofold. First of all, it immediately changes the narrative because he can't get off the gun thing right now. Everything with him is about the gun thing, and it's a loser for him because he's not winning enough votes to take away the damage it's doing with, with his base. He has lost way more people than he's going to bring in. And, 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 and 
I think they're starting to figure that out. I think for a while they brushed it off. So immediately if you run that ad, what do we start doing? We start talking about, hey, Shreve's running an ad saying Hogsett allegedly might have been in rehab or allegedly might have been drunk during the riots. The whole city's conversation then becomes about Joe Hogsett and where he was during the riot. So it changes the narrative. Secondly, it's a relevant question because nobody knows where the mayor of the city was during the riots. And what's going to be fascinating, if he puts that ad campaign out, and again, I don't know if he will or not, he probably won't, but a lot of the local media, specifically television media in the city, will finally have to open their eyes and address the fact that they never covered where the mayor was at, something we have been talking about for three years. They listen to everything we do on this station, and many of the people who work for him are very nice people, so I know they're going to hear this. Listen to me. Mark Lovers is not one of those people. No, but he's not. He hates IBC. He's made that perfectly clear. But the people who can convince him of what to do right now, listen, and listen to me. If you want to win these people back, and if you want to win this election, you need to run ads ad nauseum on where Joe Hogsett was during the riots. You've made a big mistake, an unforced error, but you have a chance to reset the narrative. But this is about the only thing I can think of that will do it for you. We're going off the rails with Rob Kendall here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Let's turn our attention to some national things here. Crazy day yesterday with Hunter Biden. A lot of legal stuff happening. This sweetheart plea deal gets taken away. But before anybody's ready to throw a, all right, that's what I'm talking about kind of party, there's still a chance that Biden's Department of Justice could just give everybody two middle fingers and drop all the charges. So I talked to my dad last night because he spent 20 years in front of federal judges and he knows these people like the back of his hand. And I said, well, you know, help me understand why all this took place. And paraphrasing here, but he said the number one thing you cannot do is insult or attempt to hoodwink a federal judge. Yes. And this judge from the bizarro phone call that happened the day before where Biden's attorneys are apparently pretending to be part of the the prosecution team (laughs) to, you know, now this plea deal, well, does it include immunity? Well, now we don't necessarily know. This judge, because nobody thinks they're more important than a federal judge. The federal judge believes they are the most important room person in any room they walk into, was not going to tolerate that. it doesn't matter what the politics are. You are not going to insult the intelligence, even though you probably should, many of these judges, of a federal judge. And that judge was having none of that. Uh, the DeSantis campaign. Yikes. In the last 72 hours, they've had a car crash and fired one third of their staff, Rob. Things are not going well. A literal car crash. Well, you know, it, and you see this in sports a lot, where there's so often it's a rookie prospect or a guy coming up through the minors if it's baseball. And that person's going to be the guy, the next great quarterback, the next great pitcher. And sports, like politics, is a game of expectations. And when you set expectations high for someone, be they quarterback, pitcher, or presidential candidate, there is immense pressure to live up to the expectation or people will abandon you quickly, more so than if you had just been a regular candidate. And Ron DeSantis was billed as the alternative to Donald Trump. If you are not a Trump fan, everyone is going to coalesce around DeSantis, and now we've got ourselves a ballgame. That has not happened because there's so many people in, and 
probably unfairly, people have said, well, not only did he not you know, make it competitive with Trump, he's not really even moving forward right now. And people are beginning to abandon DeSantis because he has not met their expectations. I think one of the things that he needs to work on is, is enough with these giant rallies. Uh, you need to shake hands and kiss babies and get to know the voters on an intimate basis. You know, enough of these giant donor parties where you're spending tens of thousands of dollars, enough of the private jets. It's it's time to go mingle with the people. Yeah, the problem is for a guy who has wanted to be in politics since he was old enough to tie his shoes, he knows one way of doing business. And yeah. you know, look at the trouble Mike Pence has had. That's because a lot of times these guys are lack a real, genuine nature about them. Doesn't mean Ron DeSantis isn't a good guy. You guys all know I think he'd be the best candidate for for president the Republicans can put forward. Yeah. But I think there's a certain plastic nature about these guys, and it makes it very hard for those people to pivot because they're not they're not comfortable doing that. Last thing here, we got about a minute left. How's your family, Rob? It's been a couple weeks since uh, sweet baby Olivia came into the world. How's dad life treating you? Man, it's going great. She will be one month old tomorrow. Wow. And I'll tell you what, and you guys both know this because you've had kids. It is such an incredible feeling. And one month later, I still feel it. My kid looks like me. She has the great misfortune of having a lot of my features. And anytime that kid's whining and you're like, what the heck is going on? And then you hold that kid and you are like looking at yourself and I can't yell at me. What am I doing here? Are you in a routine? Are you in a, a schedule, especially having to do with sleep? Or are you guys pretty much set? Sleep. Oh, <laughs> Nigel. I remember. Not, I know. I know. Look, Nigel, I had a saying back in the uh, Broad Ripple Rob days, you out with me, you out till three. And my kid has picked up that saying, too, because it's a party between midnight and 3 a.m. every night at my house. He's off the rails. He's Rob Kendall. Shout out to uh, Garage Doors of Indianapolis, the best darn garage door company in the entire land. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.